All right, welcome to another episode of the Metal Embassy Podcast, presented by DCHeavyMetal.com. I'm your host, Metal Chris, and on this episode, we'll be talking to a band from Bangladesh. Prajangana is a one-man black metal band from Dhaka, Bangladesh. The main man, who goes by Catatonic, has moved to Germany recently. Prajangana blends South Asian traditional music stylings with black metal for a sound unlike anything I've ever heard anywhere in the world before. So I'm really excited for you all to listen to this, so be sure to stick around after the interview when we play a song by the band. It's really good. Okay, guys, on this episode, I'm speaking with Rubayet Hussein, also known as Catatonic, with a K, who's the man behind the one-man black metal band Bajangana from Bangladesh. So first, I'd like to say thank you for taking your time to do this interview with me, Rubayet. It's really my pleasure, and thank you for having me. Now, currently, you're speaking to me from Germany. We're on Skype here. So to start off, I'd like to ask, what exactly are you doing in Germany these days? And do you plan on returning to Bangladesh? Well, I came in last October during the corona pandemic. And I actually moved here because my wife is German. So we needed to live together at some point because we got married last year. So I moved here now. And there's no plan on going back to Bangladesh, actually. So I'm just going to stay here and do my music and at some point start working. All right. I wasn't expecting that. I kind of figured maybe you were in school or something, but all right. So the band name Brajangana comes from a Michael Madhusudan Dutt poem, and he was a playwright and poet that lived in the 1800s in Bangladesh. He's a very famous writer and author over there, but many Americans probably have not heard of him. But the band name, I think what I read on your website is that it's one of Braja's milkmaids who is enamored with Krishna. Now, is that yeah. Radhika, the Hindu goddess of love? Because she's like, yeah. okay, so it's basically named after Radhika. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's what I found really interesting because I don't think I've ever heard of a black metal band named after a goddess of love before. Why did you choose that for the band name? Brajangana is actually my second project. When I was thinking about what should I name my second project after, I wanted to actually have a name that it can relate to my culture and the language. I actually didn't want to give it any English name. I wanted people to have trouble pronouncing the band name. So I was kind of Googling and going through some small research about it. And then I found it and I remembered that I do know that poet because when I was in school and there are lots of poems that was written by Michael Madhusudan Dutt and I hated it when I was studying. But now that I think about it, it actually was pretty cool and different. And I kind of liked his poems because his choice of words in his poems were like tooth breaking, literally. A lot of Bangladeshis will have trouble pronouncing and reading those poems. It's that difficult because he usually always used the words that are taken from the Sanskrit language where the Bengali language originated from. So I was like, okay, this is it. I think that's my guy and that's what I'm going to use for my project. And I was also thinking that my black metal project will be kind of about the culture and the the religious views, kind of like not exactly, but more like mythological views, which is Hinduism. Of course, Bangladesh is Muslim based country, but still, if you think about history, it was the whole India, like everything, the Mahabharat, everything together, a kingdom. So I kind of decided to go to the root and theme-wise, perfect. I'll go with that mythology and the name goes with it as well. So that's when I'm like, yep, that's the 100% perfect name for my project. 
No, it makes sense. So I've read a couple things that I believe that you wrote about the band. One was on the original EP's Bandcamp post, which is actually on a Russian label, uh, GS Records or something they're called. Yeah. And on that it said, the band is solely focused on the southern region and about its myths which have been carried out by the people for thousands of years, where nowadays the new generation has started to abandon. True. You know the culture there better than I do. <laughs> so when you're talking about the southern region, what exactly are you talking about? As an American, when we talk about the South, we're talking about Alabama and Texas. So I know it's not <laughs> what you mean. So what exactly are you talking about when you mean the Southern region? The Southern region was basically, if you think about it, is like Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, those countries. But of course, I never wrote songs about Sri Lanka or Pakistan. But it was more like, as I said, about the mythology and the mythology that was before about Hinduism. So that's what I actually meant by saying like the southern region, because some people treat Hinduism as a religion and some treat it as mythology and some just don't even acknowledge it. Yeah, because on your website, you had the southern black metal and it says there's no such subgenre as southern black metal, but it could be the beginning of something like that. And you like the idea of mixing it with the South Asian essence, as you called it, which I think yeah. is what attracts me to the band so well, too. I've never even been to India or Bangladesh or anywhere in South Asia, but I can still hear that sound and it comes through in the metal. It's not just a metal band from Bangladesh. It's a Bangladeshi metal band. You know, it really comes through that way. I think that's what's really interesting. So what I would really like to know is, what do you mean by the Southern black metal? What would you say defines that? And do you know of any other bands doing something like this? Mm, as far as I know, I don't think there's any other like bands doing that. There could be, but I don't know, because I actually don't even follow the heavy metal scenes that are from my country or even there. I just don't. Like There are a few heavy metal bands that I used to follow when I was a kid, but most of them kind of broke up. So after that, I just didn't like them that much. Of course, there are quite few good bands nowadays, even like uh, there's a band called Trainwreck that performed in Vaken uh, Festival, I think in 2017 or something. So there are good bands, but I don't think any of those bands are following the theme that I am following. Cool. So it's totally unique and great. That's, that's what I'm looking for too. <laughs> <laughs> so as you said, there's a lot of forgotten culture in South Asian mythology that you're kind of trying to bring back with some of this. Is this something you've studied a lot then? Or is it just because of living there, you've just grown up knowing certain you know stories and things? It's totally about actually living there. And my situation is a little bit different than so many people over there. My father, he was Muslim. My mother was Christian. And once they got married, my mother converted to Islam and one family was Christian and other was Muslim. And I get to know both sides when I was growing up. And of course, my mother's village, whenever I went there, that village was mostly full of Christian and Hindu people. So that way, I also got to know a lot of Hindu cultures and their belief and the things that they always do occasionally. So it's kind of like real life experience, how I get to know all the stuffs. And of course, through the textbook sometimes and some it's in Bangladesh. So I get to know firsthand. That leads me to another question I wanted to ask is what exactly is it like being into metal over there? It sounds like you weren't super into like the, the local you know scene or whatever. But are there any challenges in a predominantly Islamic Bangladesh? I mean, there's like bands from Iran that have just been arrested for being in black metal bands. What is the culture like there? And do they have metal concerts or, or what? What's it like? 
Well, when I was growing up, the heavy metal concerts are pretty much a common thing. Around 99, 2000, that's when actually the underground heavy metal concerts started to grow a lot. And uh, there were quite a lot of bands. And as far as I know, that time there were no black metal bands. The heaviest were only thrash metal bands. And only very few thrash metal bands existed on that time. And slowly with time, they started to get more extreme and more bands started to form up. And then after 2007 or 8, that's when black metal started to become a thing in Bangladesh heavy metal culture. But the thing is about like no bands getting arrested or anything that I've never heard of is because even though it's a Muslim country, the people are not extremists. They do believe in the freedom of choice and everything. And also the black metal bands are more known and less mainstream than the rest of the other bands. They don't get that much exposure. Now, few of them does, but still, I think the extremists people, of course, the numbers are very few, but I don't think that they have the capacity or ability to actually know that there's such bands. I think they don't even know that there are international black metal bands out there. It's just not popular. You think it's not even on their radar then, yeah. Yeah. Because I do know some of those early bands, like Warphase, Rock Strata, I think is one of the early ones, and Daka. But again, those are nothing extreme. Those bands that obviously not been listening to American death metal or the Norwegian black metal or anything like that. I know, especially pre-internet, it was really hard to get some of that stuff into other parts of the world that didn't have the same distribution channels that we do for music. So how did you get into black metal then? How did you find this in Bangladesh? Because it doesn't sound, even now, it's super popular over there. When I was growing up, I was literally listening to modern talking when I was five or six years old, because that's the only thing that you could get, actually. People didn't even know the genres or anything. They would just simply call it like, ah, I listen to English music, English, Bangla, or anything. That's how they kind of categorized the music. So I liked them. And then at some point, I even listened to Backstreet Boys. Why? Like, because that's the time when we got the TV cables, like it started to become available, I think around 1994, 95, something like that. And we didn't have much chance to explore or try to understand or get to know more bands, international bands or music genres. So we had MTV and we also had MCN. And MCN channel was kind of a bit difficult to get because apparently they were the only music TV channel that were uncensored back on that time and they're the only tv channel that actually showed heavy metal which i get to know a bit later actually i think the first heavy metal band i heard was iron maiden and it was a cassette that actually stole from a music store (laughs) (laughs) i went there to get something else i don't remember what and i had a friend with me and i was actually always allowed to browse the store library because the guy knew me and he was like yeah go on the back and take whatever you want and bring it to the counter and then pay and i was checking and my friend showed that like look 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 this is the iron maiden i heard so many good things about it and i'm like okay uh, and then i brought the album out and it was killers and that artwork i'm like okay looks really cool so i don't have enough money to get this one and he was like okay so what i'm like uh haven't done things like this maybe i can do something like this what I just put it on my pocket. I went to the counter. I paid for the rest of the cassettes and then I got it. I came back home. I listened and it was worth it. It was totally worth it. (laughs) And then watching more music channels and then got to know that there was even actually one hour rock and roll and heavy metal TV show on MTV called Channel Green or something like that. I don't remember actually. 
And they used to play quite few, not that heavy, but pretty good bands. And then I got to know a few other bands like Papa Roach and maybe Korn, I guess. So also Slipknot. The new metal was and, probably coming out right around then. Yep. Yeah. 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 And then when internet started to become a thing there also, it was pretty expensive to get. But at some point I did manage to get the connection and then the blessing of YouTube. I started to look for bands, more bands and more bands. And I started to discover so many bands later on. And actually I was and I'm still a more into melodic death metal bands than the black metal bands. I prefer them like Insomnium. Newman uh, bands like that also Kalma and once I discovered that then I was like yeah Melodeth is the best I'm gonna dig deep and find more bands and I found a lot more bands and then at some point I'm like okay there's more extreme and something more than that I'm gonna give it a try and then I tried Immortal at first I was like okay too much distortion but there's something there's something but then I kind of abandoned, like, not my cup of tea, maybe. Then then again, I was back to my melodic death and doom metal phase. And then I was also listening to Viking metals a lot. Then I started listening to depressive black metal. That's when I'm like, oof. I don't know why maybe that time I was kind of having difficulties in my life. And I could somehow relate to the DSPM bands a lot. Of course, I didn't like all of them, but bands like Highlight, Forgotten Tomb, Nocturnal Depression. I really liked those bands. And that's when I was like, mm, really cool. I'm going to give it more time and I'm actually going to listen to the origin of those. And then I went back to Immortal again. And then I'm like, OK, this is freaking good. I don't know why I didn't like it back in a few years ago. I just don't know. And then I was totally into it and mostly into the melodic black metal and symphonic black metals. That's cool. So one thing you had mentioned earlier, you have another band called Morning Hours that you're also the sole member of. What would you say differentiates these two bands? That one is actually more like not Bangladeshi at all. I didn't try to put any Bangladeshi influence or that regional influence on that band. I wanted to just make something like whatever is in my head, actually. At first, I started that project as DSBM because that time I was into DSBM totally. And then I ended up making the first single a DSBM track. And then after that, I was more into melodic black metal. Then the full length album was more to the melodic black and a bit doom style. And then the next one was more like... I think post black metal style and then that one is more like I wanted to have it actually as atmospheric black metal but a bit different sounding like I didn't want it to sound like summoning even though I love summoning but I wanted to give it a bit different sound like something a bit agalog even though agalog is not black but I love that band I really love that band and I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to make something like Agalock, but it's going to be black metal completely. So that's what I wanted to do. And I think I was able to put a bit of what I wanted to in few tracks. And then at some point I was like, okay, I better stick to one or two genres maybe. And then I wanted to make Brozangana and then I made Oracle Figment, which was actually for modern melodic death metal. All right. So I'm probably going to butcher some names here, but I'm going to do my best. So back to Brajangana, you first put out an EP for the band in 2014, which is Pratin Ibrita, Pratin Ibrita, something like Pratin that. Which I didn't hear until recently, but I could tell what you were already trying to do even with that release. And then the one that I was first introduced is the one you released back in November, the Udayal. Am I yeah. saying that right? <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Okay. 
the one thing I noticed digging around doing research on you is you were supposed to release a full-length album in 2016 called Tamir Anadikal, and that doesn't seem to have materialized. What happened with that? Uh, well, what happened actually since that time, so many wrong things actually started to happen in my life. My mother got sick and I didn't have any job. At some point, we had to move with my aunts because the situations were really bad. And then she died in 2017. I didn't get to do the vocal works. I still actually have the instrumentals ready. I actually have instrumentals ready for morning hours, Brajangana, that uh, full-length album, and even actually next two or three more albums instrumental ready. But back then I didn't have the time to do the vocals because I was really busy with the life. So I just decided like, yeah, I'm going to abandon that full-length project that I had. I also felt like maybe my newer compositions got better sounding, I think. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave whatever I wanted to do that time and I'm going to go with something new. Uh, that makes sense. You did post some of those songs, though, and so I've heard some of them because you posted one to YouTube, which is, I believe, called Bishad Moline. Yeah. And then you had two that you posted to a SoundCloud. So are you ever going to like properly release those maybe or put them as bonus tracks on something or just anything? Because they're out there somewhat, you know? <laughs> well, I'm actually still not sure what I'm going to do because the two tracks that I uploaded on SoundCloud, I still am not satisfied with how the vocals turned out. And I think I've lost the lyrics. I'm pretty confident I've lost them. So if I remember the lyrics again, or if I can find them, maybe at some point in the future, I don't know when, but maybe I will redo the vocals again, because now actually I do have a condenser to work with before I didn't. That'll make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So the new EP, Udayal, I couldn't find the lyrics anywhere. Is it in English or Bengali or what? I looked really hard because I wanted to read about some of the songs in preparation. I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Udayal is in Bangla. One of the tracks, I think, as far as I remember, is in English, and the two are in Bangla. Yeah, so I want to ask you about those in a second here, because I do want to talk about those songs. But I like to always give the person I'm interviewing an album from a local band from around here, from the Washington, D.C. area. Something that I think you personally would probably be into, and I'll buy it for you on Bandcamp. I'll just send it to you. I'll pay the price or whatever, and you can download and listen at your leisure. So for you, I picked a band. This is actually a different one than I usually do with most of these people. Usually I pick fairly new releases. This is actually a band that I knew of back in the 90s called Witch Hunt, and they broke up over a decade ago, but they recently re-released all their old material remastered as an anthology. It reminds me of your sound a little bit. Now, it does not have the Bangladeshi kind of sound, but it has that kind of melodic death black thing that they were doing there. And there's some great songs on it. They're not very well known outside of this area. But I thought it was something that you might like to check out, give you something new to listen to or whatever. It definitely has like an old school vibe to it because, you know, it's not influenced by the more modern bands. But it's sort of that mid-paced black metal as well. You know, they have like keyboards and things, but it's not super brutal or anything either. But anyway, I just figured I would send that your way. And once we get off here, I'll send that to you. Hopefully you enjoy Witch Hunt. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> now, I do want to talk about the latest EP some more. As we were saying, the first song, Craven Sniveled. Now, that one's probably in English, I guess. What is that one about? Can you give me a little history on that song? That one was kind of like I was just imagining about a coward in war, like in a battlefield. And I tried to think like how a coward soldier would react 
in the battlefield like if he's going to move forward and be like yeah i'm gonna die if i have to die or if he's going to go backward and try to save his life instead so everybody sings about the brave ones maybe i should sing about the coward one so i just decided to do it and then bam i just wrote the lyrics and i was like yeah that's how it's going to be Okay, so I thought maybe that was part of a story. One of the things I've really noticed, like you said earlier, Bangladesh is a primarily Islamic country, but a lot of your stories are based on like Hindu mythology and ancient stories like that. Is there a reason you went with like the Hindu side with stuff? I know you said you grew up both Islamic and Christian sides in your household. So, so where did the whole focus on Hinduism come? It sounds like that would be the strange one. It's mostly because Hinduism is just mythology. I used to hear stories about Hindu gods and goddesses from my mom as a bedtime story. And I always loved them. It was like fairy tale to me, but more brutal sometimes maybe and different than the usual fairy tale stuff. So I kind of always liked those stories when I was little and later I get to know more about it and I'm like, yep, they're pretty brutal. They sound really good and different. <laughs> So another thing is, do you plan at this point, I know you just put that EP out in November and the previous release was in 2014, but do you plan on putting out any more Bajangana releases in the future, recording more? Yeah, actually I do have, as I said earlier, I have a full-length album material ready. It's just the vocals that are waiting. I just don't know when exactly I'll be able to do the vocal recording. And also sometimes I find it very difficult to write the lyrics. It gets really uh, like so difficult. I'm sitting in front of the PC listening to my own instrumental and I'm like, yeah, what goes with it? What goes with it? Sometimes it just comes like bam in a second and sometimes days go by and still I can figure out what does it sound like? What can I think of? And right now, actually, I'm pretty busy learning the German language. And maybe I think after I get the school done, like the language and then get a job, then I think... When I, I'm free, I'll be able to focus on writing the lyrics and doing the vocals again. But I believe this time it's going to be even more slower than before. It's going to take longer. I can understand that. I mean, life. Life <laughs> can get in the way <laughs> yeah. a lot of times with writing stuff. I really like the EP. I'd love to hear a full length. I'd love to have a full album of it. So now we're going to play here at the end of the interview one of the songs off that most recent EP, the song called Rani of Couture, which Rani is a queen, so it's the queen of Couture. And I did a little research on this as well. This is an actual person that did exist. This is not mythology. So Couture is a city in kind of southwest India, and there was a woman named, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but it's Couture Chanama. And she was essentially a freedom fighter, a woman freedom fighter that led an army against, I guess, the British East India Company in the 1820s. And I know she was eventually captured and imprisoned, and I think she died in prison. But can you tell me a little more about why did you choose this story? Well, funny thing, when that happened, that time there was no Bangladesh. It was all India. So in that sense, she was part of this country as well. Of course, we're not the same anymore. And I really liked her story, like how she led the army. And I think she is one of the first ones to rebel against the English dictatorship and everything. So when I got to know about that story, I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool and very inspiring. So I decided to go with it. And I also think there weren't that many music or anything dedicated to her. So I decided to do that. That's my favorite song on the new EP, and I really enjoyed finding the story about that one, too. I would have had no idea who she was if I had not heard this song by you, so that's cool. 
And next, we're going to let everybody hear the song. This is Rani of Couture, and that's off of... Udayel. Udayel. All right.
Metal Embassy is brought to you by me, Metal Chris, and DCHeavyMetal.com. I personally record, edit, and produce each episode for your listening pleasure. The Metal Embassy theme and credit music was written, recorded, and produced by Stefan Elie. The Metal Embassy logo was made by the Lord of the Logos, Christoph Spazgel. If you have questions, comments, criticism, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email me at dcheavymetal at gmail.com. This episode was recorded in Adobe Audition, and I used an ElectroVoice RE320 microphone. I conducted this interview with Rubayet Hussein via Skype on June 8, 2021. The song Rami of Couture was used with permission and can be purchased at R-U-B-A-Y-E-T dot bandcamp dot com. Thanks for sticking around to the very end here. On the next episode of the Metal Embassy podcast, I'll be talking with two members of a band in Nairobi, Kenya that incorporates African mythology and mysticism into their music. Until then, keep it metal, everyone. <laughs>